Why choose this green church? I came to TGC because I saw a place where I could grow spiritually and I also saw people who were interested in my well-being in general. They weren't actually trying to force this, um, but it kind of made me stay because I could see that it was genuine. Um, TGC makes me feel like this is my home. Like I feel old. I feel like I've always wanted a place where I can showcase myself, where I can be discriminated, where I can express how I feel exactly, and that is what PGV is all about. Everything we do is based on the word of God. You don't manipulate it to our own benefit. Like you want things good, and that is what we That's why I love you. There you have it. You have an effect to show. They are in a real search for truth. They've been taught by church, taught by God, in quotes. You know, they've had another prayers. They've struggled so hard to live right. And it looks like this one is actually impossible. So, it's a sham. You know, when someone tries so hard and say, you know, try so hard. Like someone bought me yesterday. And, you know, people, people go through stuff. They go through stuff. You know, and it's easy for them to just say, this one is not real. So, for example, you know, the year... You can live above sin. You will give them 10 tips not to fornicate again. 10 tips not to fornicate. And by Tuesday, they broke five tips. I'm like, okay. You know, so they keep trying. They keep trying and they keep falling. So they have general reason not to believe that this naturally works. Okay? So um, it's for skeptics. It's for believers that, are, that, have, that, that, that have struggles in their, in their faith. That even though they believe their heart, they struggle over time with doubt in their head. So it's to help them bridge the gap between head and heart. Therefore, also the believer that, that wants to preach the gospel, but is always flawed by the people's arguments. When the person says, Kinikokin, and like, okay, if God is so good, why are people dying? It's not like, okay, what do we say next? You know, so it's to help us actually to, to be well grounded in these things, okay? So it is not something we just do once and say, we have done it. Because even me, I'm teaching you, this answer, I, 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 I don't forget the answers. I have to keep going back to refresh my memory on these things. Okay? So you have to keep hearing them over and over again till they become settled. So the point at which you've heard it over and over again, over and over again, and that becomes close to your memory. You understand? So we have to keep going like this. Okay? So we have answers. When people ask us for the reason for which we have our faith in Christ. First chapter 15. Can we do it together? Are we there? First chapter 15. Want to go? But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Also you prepare to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope which you have in Christ, but do so with gentleness and respect. Awesome. So we ought to be always prepared to give an answer, at least nowhere to search. If that is offhand, have it in your note or something, but it should always be around you, not know that we get stuck when people counter the faith, okay? Now we're in this way. Unlike our father's days, when you just say, Jesus Christ is Lord, and you just, do, you just do small magic, everybody say, hey, but now even when you do miracles, they ask you, that miracle is a metal something. So you have, to, you have to have arguments beyond just, yeah, there's room for supernatural, that must be there also, but there's also the room for being able to um, give logical answers, to give learned, learned arguments for the reasons for which we believe what we believe. So it must be for a priority. So, you know, for me this year, one of my core, my core quests is, Ignorance die. You know, not just ignorance die. 
die, die, die. <laughs> so for me, it's a, it's a journey, not just for me, but it's my, my plan for CGC, for the body of Christ, that will become, you know, a, best, a more literate church. Church in Nigeria is stark illiterate when it comes to scripture and not an argument. We, we are so... It's interesting. So I want us to be, to, to be the example of learned believers that, you know, you can defend your faith. You know, you have answers. You are well taught. You are learned. Okay, so that's why we are doing this. Okay? So someone asked me, um, you know, this question yesterday. And I just thought, let's just take this. Let's just, let's just, instead of asking somebody online, let's treat this question so that we can always have references to go back to someone and someone else to always go back to what is answers. So the person asked me, the person said, if God is good, is a common question, why will he send people to hell for believing something that's difficult to believe? For, for not believing something difficult to believe logically. If God is good, why will he send the unbeliever to hell for not believing something that is, that is, um, that is hard to believe logically? So, so the person presumes that believing that Christ died for your sin is a, you know, is, yeah, it's, it's too far-fetched. So why will he go to hell for not believing that Christ died for his sin? Now, that's a good question, right? But before we get there at all, this is the first question we must answer. Is the Bible true? Now, what we can answer that we can get to answer other questions. Otherwise, when you say anything like, okay, the Bible said so. Why should we believe the Bible? So the first question is, what is the Bible? Why is it true? And why can't we make our arguments from Scripture? Alright? So we'll, we'll start from, the, from, from finding the Bible first. Then we're going to take into that question. Then other ones have to go over in the series. So the first question is this. The first one for us is defending the Bible. People say also, also about the Bible. They say it's made up. They say it's, um, it's fables. They say it's contradictory. They say, you know, it's an old book. That how are we reading a book that is 2,000 years old? That's how is 2,000 years old book. How is, it, how is that book still relevant to you in 2020? So have arguments that makes, you know, that makes sense for this kind of, um, this kind of questions. Okay, so you know that, for example, we believe in science through textbooks. Your gravity, you are taught in textbooks textbook and given equations why it works. Oh, Shefun, right? They taught you. Right? So, since we know a lot about science and life, when we were taught in class, that we read in books, you know, or read online, so we read those in some way. Right? So, also, you know, people can say things like, show us God or defend your faith by the Bible. This is the question. How many things do we defend without textbooks, without reference points, without written reference points? So, so, so to tell me to, to defend something out of the Bible, it's like telling me to, to defend without the actual evidence of it. The Bible remains, you know, to us. Our um, um, God's words was God's will, God's thoughts, God's plans for man. So you cannot prove Jesus. God Jesus also out of scripture. The best excuse with is still from scripture. So why we might we can have additional additional things from logic and, and science and stuff like that. But the Bible is where God reveals Himself 
to us. Alright? So, we should not always allow them to take us out of the Bible. When they say shut out of, out, of, out of the Bible, it's like pulling you off where, where, your, actual, where your real evidence is. You understand? Like pulling you off where your actual, your actual evidence is. So, this is the truth. This is being, is the Bible true? If it is true, then we can defend, we can defend God with the Bible. You get? So, that's why I must say, the, the, the argument is this. Is the Bible true or not? If it is true, then we can defend Jesus. Defend our faith with the Bible mostly. Okay, so don't let this, and also for us too, don't try to know God out of Scripture. This is the foundation of heresy. It's not people actually, people actually get lost in the faith. When you want to, when because you see things you don't get in the Bible, you now want to, you now want to step out of the Bible to create your own God you're comfortable with. So when the Bible says that, and God keeps trying to answer, like, ah, I don't like this God. You now, instead of trying to understand, understand Scripture better, you now be like, okay, uh, the Bible is not always true, you know, but I believe in God, though, but people say this, though. I believe in God, though, but the Bible is not always true. Do you get some things that are right and things that are wrong? That is how people get into trouble. So we must, let, we must tell ourselves, why is the Bible reliable? What makes Scripture reliable? Okay, so that you can, you can then begin to build your life on Scripture. If, if you don't trust it, then it cannot be the life of Scripture. You will keep thinking, maybe it does not make sense. And if you allow the devil that room, you know what to do for you? It will expand that room until you get to believe. For example, this is the devil's predominant of, of tempting. Of tempting. So, God told Adam and Eve, Adam, don't eat of this tree. What did the devil tell Eve? Did God really say? What's the job there? To invalidate God's word. So also, to Jesus also, God told Jesus, that my beloved son. Next thing, if you are the son of God, again, coming after the word. So the devil always comes after the word. So when you start thinking, I believe the Bible is not, it's not really authentic. It's not true. It's not this. You are fighting a doubt of battle. Sourced in the devil. So you have to just you know, calm down. Okay? It's, it's okay to say, I don't understand it. But don't say it's not true. Do you understand? You can say, okay, what, what's written right here? I don't get it. I don't understand it. But don't come and say, the Bible is not true. Then you are saying, sense on its own, totally, it's not true. Once you can say the Bible is not true, it's not like a pack of cards. Do you understand? Without the Bible, sense is finished. That, that is what sense stands on. The written word, scripture, logos. Okay? So, you cannot say a believer, but you don't believe in the Bible. You are not a believer. You are a confused believer. How do you know you are saved? The same Bible says something. It's okay. I am saved. So if you don't say the Bible is not true, it means you are not saved. It means your salvation is not, it's not it's as untrue as the Bible. So we must hold it clear in our heart that the Bible is true. And what will show us why we believe the Bible is true. So notice, in Christianity, there is no room for belief outside of God's word. There's no what? There's no room for belief outside of God's word. Okay, so first and first, the Bible was written over, I think, about years by 40 different authors, different authors, fishermen, farmers, soldiers, you know, doctors, you know. It's a book written by different levels of, of people, you know, people that, that had more formal training than the others. Were so it's a 40 different authors, prophets, soldiers, you know, um, kings, stuff like that, okay? Four different authors over 1,500 years. 
Scripture is predominantly about Jesus, about, about um, God's plan for salvation for mankind. Okay? That, that's it's all about Jesus. The um, Bible is, is Christocentric. That's the word. It's all about Christ. Okay, so from beginning to the end, what we are looking for in Scripture is Christ. It's Christ. Not scientific claims, even though, yes, there are some claims that, 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 that are valid, but it's, it's not a science book. Do you understand? Bible is to show the Christ, Jesus. Okay? So in the OT, he was prophesied, as I said on Sunday. In the, in the Gospels, he was revealed. In the Epistles, in the Acts, preached. In the Epistles, explained. Revelations, expected. Okay? But from the beginning to the end, it's all about Christ. Okay, so how did the Bible come about? You know, different manuscripts. People say, eh, you know, those manuscripts, they are made up, you know, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. They have been, um, you know, corrupted. They have been edited. But it's not true. For example, um, the. You coming? Now, in 1947, so I, I just found, you know, another set of scrolls of the OT. They call them the Dead Sea Scrolls. And, you know, this one they found now, like the age of it is a thousand years older than what we had before. And they found them to be the 9.5% the same thing. It was, you know, as I said, the, the very an OT scroll that we had, okay? They found new ones and they were found to be 9.5%, even though they were a thousand years old in age, but they were found to be 9.5% the same thing. After 9.5. The many 0.5 is, um, is, is um, um, small things, not, not, not even not, not meanings. Like um, something like spellings, abbreviations, not things that add, you know, meanings to the text, okay? Awesome. Sentence structure, spellings, and stuff like that, okay? Now, even the OT, the OT, even, the OT appears to be even more reliable, more, 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 um, more, when it comes to trusting the manuscript than even the OT, for example. You know, the OT, the way it was then, people rewrite scripts. So, for example, because the paper they is called papyrus. And because papers can easily get corrupted. So if I give you one, you duplicate, duplicate, duplicate. So people had several duplicates of the same of the same scriptures. Right? So the books that people trust, the books that Plato wrote and the rest, that people say that they don't have any argument with it. Even those ones, when it comes to the, the level of evidence of the of the of the scriptures, Plato and those books there, those books fade away compared to, for example. Now the, the book of Plato, this one is called the Republic, the classic, okay? So it's written in 380 BC before Christ, okay? The Republic, written around 380 BC, with his earliest copies dated that, that, they, can found, that, they, that they can find, um, 900 AD. I, I forget myself, what's wrong with you? Can you hear me now? It's better now. Yeah. It's better now. It's not, it's the echo in the room, not the. Not the. Hello? Can you hear me, sir? All right. So again, Plato's book of 380 BC, okay, that is called the Republic. The earliest copies of it are dated 900 AD after Christ's death. Okay, this this is like 1,300 years lag time lag between when he wrote it, actually, between when he wrote it, okay, and the earliest copies that, that people can find. This, this is important. Just take, take that to them. Take that to them. Okay. Now they are only of that book. Seven copies in existence. Seven copies in existence. You know what that means? It means that even if someone wants to duplicate that kind of book, 
they can duplicate it seven times. And you know, you can say, even they can forge a book seven times and it's different from the original. Is that clear enough? Seven times, not seven copies in, in existence, right? Over a time lag of 1,300 years. Please follow me. I'm, I'm going to show, show that mail. Now, Caesar's, there's a Caesar's book to that called Gallic Wars. Written, Gallic Wars. Gallic Wars. War, war. Just war. Written around 144 BC. Okay? The copies available right now are dated 1,000 years after I wrote it. 1,000 years after I wrote it, okay? There are only of those books 10 copies. 10 copies in existence. Now, people don't have any issue. They don't say these books are wrong. They agree these books are true, that they are created, they are authentic, right? Now, when it comes to the Testament scripture, okay, they are written between 50 and 100 AD. And we have 5,000 copies of the manuscript, different copies of manuscripts. So, if you have 5,000 copies of some and they are accurate, it shows the level of accuracy of the document itself. Do you understand? So, people don't fight against Plato's book or against Caesar's book. That have only seven copies. The ancient scrolls, yeah? 5,000 original copies of the scrolls. Yes. What does that tell you? A higher level of reliability of saying this, this, this book, these writings are actually the real writings. Did you get that? Does that make sense to you? Awesome. So, even when people check, when, when they check, people cannot, cannot do scientific finding and say the Bible is. The Bible is is, is um, corrupted or something. If people just, people just talk, it's um, is, is for illiterate attacks, I say those kind of things. You actually study must not tell you that the Bible as a book is not, is not, um, is not real. Do you understand? So scientifically it's proven. It's one of the, it's, it's, I think, the most authentic, original, ancient document available. Yes, yes, yep, yep. Alright? So you can even go around the world right now. You can find the scrolls. There are places where the scrolls are right now. Some you can the scrolls are available. They are not they are not mysterious books. The scrolls are available round about the world. So if you are in doubt, go and check the original scrolls. You get the available scrolls. So it's not just a made up document, okay? They are available scrolls that became what we call you know um the Bible. Okay? So the Bible is inspired, not dictated. This is important, okay? You know, inspired means that I didn't, I didn't detect to you, my friend is a boy. He sat down and jumped up. No. It's inspiring that people can now write inspiration down in their own context, in their own level, level, level of education, in their own um, oratory skill and exposure. You get so it is, it is God's thoughts in man's words. So you'll see the people's culture in their writings. You'll see their, their axioms. You'll see, the, you see the, way they, the way they think. You will see it in, you know, in the writings, where they speak, okay? You will see their level of poetry also. Even though it's, it's God-inspired, but it's, um, it's God-inspired. And it, it, this means that uh, for us to properly understand scripture, because it's, it's inspired, not dictated, we have to understand the culture of the writer, the culture of the, of the day which it was written, how they communicate. Like I, I said on Sunday, one will say, now, break a leg. We don't mean to go and break a leg. So must understand their own idioms in, the, in those days to understand scripture. You understand? So when we say break it, let's say Madu. Eh. Now those, those are those are our own our own cultural way of speaking. That is not the same how they're speaking back you know, back then. So we must understand also how they were speaking back then. Otherwise we're reading it, reading the Bible foolishly. So for example, when the Bible says if your hands continue to sin, cut it off. And people are in if you don't have sense, just cut off your eyes to please God. But it's not saying cut off your eyes, it's saying that do whatever it takes, you know, 
logically possible to stay out of sin. Do you understand? So you must understand scripture at that level. Amen. So there are idioms there that are that must understand how to communicate it in this day. So the man will say when they say and God struck so and so person, you have to understand what they mean by and God struck. <laughs> so you don't just go and say God goes about killing everybody. So just just another small. Just kill that one. So you must understand what they mean in their day by those statements. Otherwise, reading the Bible like we are that illiterate. Now, and when we when we in that we read the Bible, we misrepresent God. That's a problem. So see people that went about, you know, in the in the in the, in the crusade age, went about killing unbelievers. Because they thought also that in the OT, God are just saying, kill them also. They're just going about to unbelievers, kill them. You know, because they were thinking, because when everybody says, someone has a witch to live, they just went about killing witches. Because they were misunderstanding scripture. So we must understand that the Bible is inspired, not dictated. So we must understand it in their, in, their, in their context. Okay? So it is how do they, how were they thinking? What do they mean by this? It is not, what does it mean to me? It is, what, is, what does it mean to them? Yes, man. So it's not what, what no, it's, not, it's not what God's saying to me. No. It is Paul, what is Paul saying? Do you understand? Ben, did you get me? So, so we can avoid misconceptions. It is not what, it, what does it mean to me. It is what is Paul trying to communicate. Okay? So, for example, I was listening to this afternoon. You know, there, there's this analogy we have. Have you seen this train, this father, son, train, accident thingy? That people should represent the gospel. So it's a short clip in one of these movies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So people, people they, try, they try to to show the gospel, like a father took his son, his young boy, to his way work, worked in a train station. So the child jumped into into the train. The train is it real or something? So the father had a choice. A, a train was coming. So either to to save his son and kill everyone on the train, or to kill his son and save everyone on the train. So the, the good father killed his son to save everyone on the train, you know, and you know, it was not crying that people in the train did not know what he did for them. You know, so they tried to say, trying to say that, you know, they tried to say, trying to say that that was, you know, God the father, you know, allowing God the son, to die for our sins. Now, you know the problem there? Many. Number one, the father, they, they try to mean that that was God the father, allowing God the son, Jesus, to die for our sins. Now, this is the problem. Number one, the boy is a child. So the father just killed the child. It wasn't for a miracle. <laughs> so, number one, yeah, that, they, they, they said that. But number one, Christ did not die a child. He did not mistakenly jump in. Do you understand? He chose to go. He chose, even from, 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 from what time began, he chose to die. And he went also to die. He didn't die a child. That died at the, the three and a half years about. So it was not a child being killed for others to live. Because when, when, when an artist hears that, like, what kind of God you serve that killed a child to save you? Do you understand? So those analogies, even though they sound, they sound so emotionally, so emotionally sound, so good, it does not work. You don't, you don't be the fit on a lie. Don't be faith on a lie, on, a, on blackmail. Faith is built on spirit and truth. This is my problem, is what it says. The day that my address gets choked with nails, your faith falls with it. Do you understand? So all these analogies, let's be careful. Let's do what is true. Don't help, don't help scripture with nonsense arguments, nonsense analogies. Be, be, you know, be true to scripture. Because it, 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 it doesn't take much thought. A father 
you know, a child jumped in mistakenly and was going, was going to die. Did Christ enter mistakenly for you? Are you still by mistake? Are you still by mistake? Do you understand? So we have to. It's because people, people don't do a lot of thinking. Just emotional blackmail, you know? Awesome. So it is not what does it mean to me? It is what is Paul saying. Now, what, is, what does it mean to me? It's as I will start. Okay, so what is Paul saying, for example? It is not what does it mean to me. Is that good? Okay, that's one. Number two, the early church lived on scripture. Second Timothy 3, 14 to 17. Second Timothy 3, 14 to 17. The early church lived on scripture. See, Second Timothy 3, 14 to 17. So that I, I saw you looking bored. So I, I had to wake up. Second Timothy 3, 14 to 17. The early church lived on scripture. Who are nice practice? Yeah, shoot. Use the mic, we are recording. We are recording also, so we need to be. Okay, ready. Check out Monday 3, 14, 17. Quickly, 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 quickly. We have to go. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those who you, who, from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I should go on. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see that? So the early church placed Scripture as valuable. They built the faith on scripture. Okay? Go to Second Peter 1, verse 21. 2 Peter 1, verse 21. I want to show us that the scripture is key to our faith. You can't have a faith out of scripture. Second Peter 1, yeah, 1, 16 to 21. 16 to 21. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on, that, on the sacred mountain we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. This is Now, NKJV says, we have a more sure of prophecy. A more sure. Saying that the scripture is more valid than what they saw on the mountain. Do you understand? Blessed scripture are both visions. Even though we saw it, we saw on the mountain when God spoke to Jesus Christ. But say no, that we have the scriptures as a more sure word of prophecy. So they put scripture above what they saw. Do you understand? Above dreams, above visions, above miracles. Scripture is called a more sure word. 
So they put scripture above everything. So, you know, in early church, you know, they had some, some quotes that in Greek that says, faith alone, grace alone, scriptures alone. Because this is, I guess I've been age old. Remember, I said, put to add more to scripture. No, faith alone, grace alone, scriptures alone. So, it's an age old Christianity foundation that scripture lords over everything. So, we don't ask you, what did you see? We say, what does the word say? Do you understand? So it's not what you see, it's what does the word say. So what you see must align with what the word says, otherwise it can't what you say. So even if you see Jesus Christ, you ask him, sir, show us in scripture what you're talking about. Please go on. Verse, um, verse 21. Verse 20. I've not read, okay. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying that the scriptures, prophetic writings, they were not, they not just someone writing, writing made-up stuff. Do you understand? That they wrote as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying you can't discuss scripture and say you don't believe it so it's not true. He's saying it's not soft in human, human will or human desire. But people wrote as they were moved along, as they were Holy Ghost inspired. So he's saying the scripture is inspired by the Holy Ghost. This is what the early church believes, that scripture is inspired by. And, and they're even referring more at this time to the old scriptures. Do you understand? So even the old that we, that, we, that we say we don't like, it is Holy Spirit breathed. That people, people try to, you it's too harsh, it's too clinical, clinical. It is spirit Breathed. So you don't, you don't have to like it. It is the word of God. Do you understand? This is what we believe that scripture is the word of God. Both Old and New Testament. Scripture is the word of God. Also, I'm building up. Okay? They also settled that with scripture. They settled every argument with scripture. They settled Acts 15, verse 21. They ended every argument with scripture. But when there's an argument, they go back to what does scripture say? Romans 4 says also that what does scripture say? Okay? So they start every argument with what does the word say? Acts 15. Acts 15. Verse. Start from verse 1. We'll rush it. From verse 1. Acts 15. 15. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. What about six? The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. 
the whole assembly became silent as, the, as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The word of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things? Things known from long ago. If I stop there, look at this. The word of the prophet agrees with this as it, was, as it has been written. So they have every argument with what does scripture say? Not what, not, not what you think. Not, not how you feel about it. It's not, not what you see revelation. It's what does scripture say? So they built their life and doctrine on scripture. You get this. You get this. So here he was quoting Amos 9. So they always went back to quote all the scriptures. They built everything they said on what, what was prophesied in the OT. So it's not just someone just came and, and said this. No. It, you have to show this, show us where this revelation was sourced from. So the new covenant is not, is not made up. It is just from the sky. It was prophesied in the old. Do you understand? So we live by scripture because everything has been written for us to know. Amen. Alright? So even the epistles, as I said, we're not brought out of thin air. Okay? They're based on OT prophecies and prophecies. Okay? They're all based back from the OT. Salah, get up. Amen. Amen. Let it to John. Stand up. Alright. So we see in Acts, Acts 16, for example, that verse was the quote from Amos 9, 11 to 12. So even the epistles always went back to quote OT scriptures. If you look at all of them, if you read, read them in NIV, in your e-Bible, you'll see those, those where they put A or something, B or C, just I like you see that they reference a lot, almost everywhere, OT, Christian and scripture, okay? So, the Bible, the epistles are not made up. They are explanations of the prophecies. So, I said, you know, the, the epistles are explanations of Christ, you know? So, they are explanations from prophetic writings. So, it's not just random or someone just, or Paul, Paul just woke up and said something. No, Paul, even Paul had to show from the old sea, credence to what he's saying. So it's as though Paul was, as, as, as God was teaching Paul, as Christ was teaching Paul Revelation, was telling Paul, as he said in so and so in, in Psalm 1 verse 5. Do you get Because Paul will always go back to quote those places. Because it's important that we quote them. Scripture, you know, validates the epistles. Now, Jesus also validated, validated the old sea as true. John 5, verse 9, 7. Quickly. John 5, verse 9 to 47. John 5, verse 9 to 47. You study... John 5, verse 9-47. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yes, you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your heart. But for five. But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, 
for he wrote about me. But since you don't, since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Look at that. Look at Luke 24. Luke 24. Luke 24. 25, 27, 44, 47. 25, 25, 27, 45, 45, 27, then 44, 47. Okay. 25. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Look at that. So, you, okay. that, that's all. Christ was validating scripture. So to say, I believe in Christ, but I don't believe in the Bible, is to say, Christ is lying. You can't believe in Christ and validate scripture. You get that. But even Christ was basing his claim on what is written. So he said, these things all wrote about me. So if they are lies, then Christ is a lie. So he now showed them, he explained scripture to them that this is the meaning of everything. That the Messiah will come and die for you and raise up his sins and will preach repentance in his name. That, that, that's, that's the essence of everything you read. That the Messiah will come and die, you know, and for, he will be forgiven by grace through his death and resurrection. You understand that? You get that. The Gospels are historical writings of things people and places around Jesus' earthly ministry. The Bible says in Luke 1, verse 1 to 4. Luke said, I, I wrote this to you, you know, Luke 1, let us Luke 1, 1 to 4. 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 The gospel like historical writings of things, people, and places around Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. Luke 1, 1 to 4. Luke 1, 1 to 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they are handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Look at that. So, there are historical writings based on eyewitness accounts. There are things that actually happened based on eyewitness accounts. Okay? So he said he has done his own investigation also to write his own accounts, like, like others have written, based on eyewitness testimony. So the Gospels are historical writings of things that happened in Jesus' earthly ministry. You know, so even you know, from, 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 from um, studies of archaeology, they found from those places that Joshua talked about. Some of them were even buried under the ground. They found them in the ground. So they have not found anyone that said that, that this proved something that was written in the Gospels. Whatever they found that agreed with the Gospels. Even archaeology. So they are not made up. They are actual events, places, things that happened. Okay? Amen. So the NT also, you know, the, the epistles, they are also, you know, evidence accounts of, of what, for example, you know, Baptist Acts 1, 
Acts 1, 1 to 5, that before after Christ was resurrected from the dead, he taught his disciples for 40 days, you know, about things of the kingdom. That is what Peter writes for you in the epistle. You get Paul also writes by revelation of, of, of Jesus. So Paul is writing for you what Jesus Christ taught him. So there are explanations of, of, of what happened after Christ resurrected. And they all agree. They all agree in salvation by faith in Christ. Okay? First John says, the things we have heard. First John 1 says, the things we have heard. The things we have heard. This is our hands have undoed. Of life. So this thing has been written for you. So it, it's, not, it's not just, it's not fables. It's what they actually witnessed, saw, and experienced. Okay, so it's not a made-up tale. And even, you know, as, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, even these things, some people are still alive that can bear witness to these things. So they're not books written long after the event. These were written as they were happened. So people were still alive that could say, this thing wrote a lie. So the epistles are things that happened in the life and time of the eyewitnesses. Do you understand? So, someone can say, this thing I wrote to, is not true, I was there. Do you get? They are written in life and time of the eyewitnesses. That shows the level of credibility documents have. Like Paul told says, some people that, that saw him resurrected, they are still alive, you can ask them. Say they are 500. Do you understand that? Awesome. People say things like, eh, you know, um, Peter saw Jesus. Paul did not. So, how do you trust Paul's writings? Peter said Paul's writings are scripture. Second Peter 3. Are we taking notes? We'll do transcripts. We'll do transcripts. We'll do transcripts. Second Peter 3, 15 16. Second Peter 3, 15 to 16. Are we learning? Is it making sense to you? Second Peter 3, 15 to 16. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the Holy Prophet and command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, Second Peter 3, 15 ah. and 16. Carry. I just realized, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God, God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters. Look at that. Speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Which ignorant and unstable people distort, so they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Look at it. So in doing, see, Paul, Peter says, all Paul's writings are scriptures. Did you see that? Do we see that? Do we actually see it? It's important to when people ask you, eh, we can believe Peter. We don't believe in Paul. We don't. Paul is a liar. Can you call? You show them. Yes, now. Yes, when you don't. Yes. So if you show them, please know these things, okay? Know it, you'll come across once in a while, okay? That Peter validated Paul's writings as scripture. In Acts 15, also in the, in the council, Paul's gospel was validated as correct. So Paul's gospel is not made up. The early church agreed with Paul's gospel. In fact, so much so that Peter at one point was doing minor hypocrisy, and Paul confronted him. And Peter did not say, Paul, you are lying. No. So it was widely believed, widely accepted that Paul's gospel, with Peter's gospel, in alignment, and it was true, that we are saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. Do you get my point here? So the epistles, Paul's writings, Peter's writings, they are just writings, you know, okay, they have wide agreement in the church as authentic, reliable, and true. For example, these this scriptures, these this, this epistles, 
we translated we translated round the round the round the entire early church. So if I Colossians four sixteen, that Paul told them that read also Malachi to Laodicea to say this this is right everywhere. It's for everybody. It's valid. So the early church took took those it's around about everywhere as scripture. It was their scripture. You know what I'm talking about here? So letters were circulated everywhere. God, God just Christ told John in Revelation 1 that this letter, this letter, write it down and send it to church in, in, um, in 1,000, in Phrygia, in... That's the point. That circulated the letters around as scripture to everywhere. So the epistles were valid as scripture right from the early church. It's not a noun thing. It's always been validated as scripture. Do you understand? Alright? So we said that this were based on the teaching of Christ to the apostles after the resurrection and when Paul in the first resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? We said also, we are saying also that Jesus himself is called the Word of God. The Logos. The Word of God. So Jesus claims to be one with his Word. So to discard the word is to discard Christ. Our faith is built on the written word. Not visions, not opinions, not stories and fables. Built what I could share on the written word. Built you'll be we expecting the okay. <laughs> built on the written word. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, if, for example, if, if the writers were wrong, if, let's say, for example, that Peter wrote nonsense, let's say, for example, Peter wrote nonsense, and our Paul wrote nonsense, in Revelation, just, just, just like I've showed John, that those things, though, should lock up. Do you understand? Abi? If they all wrote nonsense, what I've, just like I've showed John, that those things that they said, though, it's not true. Okay? So scriptures agree together. They say the same thing. When you read, when you read everything together, they're in agreement on these things. Okay? So scripture is foundational and true. Alright? Scriptures, listen, scriptures agree. Contains no contradiction. Please notice this will forever help you. See, this will help you. This will help you. Scriptures agree. Contains no contradiction. Only explanations. Okay? And compliments. So, you can't say James does not agree with Paul. Do you understand? What James writes complements what Paul writes. Do you understand? So it's not, yeah, it explains, complements, but there, there is no place where we will say, Scripture said yes, and said yes. No, it's a problem of understanding, not contradiction. Do you get my, do you get my point here? So, Scripture is always true. Now, now we can fit, fit in our interpretation, okay? But Scripture is true. I must hold it as true. As a believer, this is your standpoint. The Bible is true. I might, I might misinterpret it, but the Bible does not contradict itself. That's what it means. That when you see two parts that look like they are contradictory, relax. 
Read it as compliment, you can understand better. Don't say, this one is true, this one is false, I'm going with this. No, read together, they can understand. For example, the Bible says that there is no male, no female, no Greek, no, 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 no Jew, no slave, no free. And I say, um, and I say, Paul, and I say, for example, that you might not talk in church. <laughs> you have to read both of them together. And with that, reach a compliment. Not saying that, that what is said here is true, what is said here is wrong. You can point them. Read for it. It should complement each other, explain each other, not that it's each other. Why? You, God is not confused. Scripture is spirit breathed. So God cannot be saying one thing here and be saying another thing here. God is not a confusionist. Scripture is only God's breathed, so it must be in agreement, otherwise it's lunatic and it's not. Do you understand? So when you find those things, because you always find where it looks like it's not, it's not agreeing, no, relax. Compliment, explain, not contradict. Let's not come to tell you, eh, my is clinical, clinical, it's not a lie, it's mostly ignorance. Or interpretation, interpretation errors, okay? Relax. Let the person relax. So then you go and do your search. You find, you find, yeah, actually, you find that there is, you know, it's complementary, not contradictory. This is important, okay? So, scripture must also be interpreted in line with the character of God as revealed by Jesus. Scripture must be interpreted in line with the character of God as revealed by Jesus. John said in John, in John 1, 18, it says, no one has seen God at any time. No one has seen God at any time. But the Son of God just Christ, no one has seen God at any time. But just Christ has revealed Him. So just Christ reveals the character of God. And this is will. Colossians 1, 15 says, 1 Colossians 1, 16 says, is the image of God. Is God replica. Is God, you know, it's not, 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 not a reflection. Is in, is, um, is God's exact representation, his image. So whatever Christ says, is what God says. His will is God's will. His behavior is God's behavior. Okay? So we must see, and even, even it's also in Hebrews also, same thing in Hebrews also, Hebrews 1 to 3, that Christ is God's exact image. So Paul said it, John said it, whoever else Hebrews also said the same thing. So it shows you, I don't know why I'm smiling, it shows you the, 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 the validity of that statement. If three writers say the same thing, it's telling you that this event is very, very important. That you understand God's character in the face of Jesus, not in Moses' face. So you must read everything in the face of Jesus. So, this, so for example, when the disciples said, they, they, they don't believe us in that place, they don't fall down thunder, fire all of them. And Christ said, you don't know which spirit you are of. It's showing you that, that when, that when, Elisha called the beer, not, the, not, not called the beer, when he cursed them and beer came out. That's the difference. He didn't call the beer, he cursed them and beer came out. He did not call beer. He did not call beer. That, that's, that's important too. He did not call the beer, he cursed them. Beer came out. When someone is cursed, what does that When someone is cursed, cursed that effect. That person is blessed also. In cursing them, he probably, probably did not know that beer will come. He just cursed them and beer came. So in cursing them, Christ did not have cursed them. God not have cursed them. We know that from 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 from, from Christ saying that, telling telling disciples that when they cause the that you don't know the kind of spirit you are of. It was showing that if it was if if it was at that point, we would have folded the letter and say, what you did is terrible. Do you understand? So we know God's character in Jesus, not in Elisha, not in Moses. 
Amen. But in Christ. So it was a great scripture. It appreciates God's character in the face of Jesus. Is that good? Yes, when Christ was mocked, he did not cause back. The only mocked is bowed there and Babinu. <laughs> so Christ was spat up, slapped. He didn't cause. So we see God's loving character in Jesus. It appreciates God's character in the face of Jesus. And in scripture, we're not reading scripture, we're just looking for stories. We read every scripture to find Christ. The Bible is Christocentric. It's about Christ. So even though we can learn um, about marriage and stuff like that, it's fine, yes? But it's about marriage, about finance, we can learn some things there. But that, that is not the Bible's purpose, go, go, go. The Bible's purpose is to reveal Christ. Awesome. Any question? So, so, we have to, as believers, hold on to Scripture's lordship. The Scripture will be held there in reverence above every argument, above every opinion. Whatever is anti-Scripture is anti-Christ. Don't, 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 don't think it too much. Don't, don't, don't help it to make sense. Okay? Come back to Scripture. Let Scripture, you know, dictate for you what is truth. We can interpret wrongly, but scripture itself is infallible. Amen. So don't let anyone take out of scripture to make a point. No. Take find your way back to scripture. That is what your own you know your own um, reference point is. Okay? And remember that scripture was not written by any man's will. So it's also of no man's private interpretation. There is no this is what I'm, this is what it says to me. It is what does the word say? Not what does it say to me. You didn't write it. It is what does it mean? Not, 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 not what does God say to me, it's not to you. What, not, not, not what does it mean to me? Not, not what it means to you. It's what does scripture actually say and mean. So I'm looking for meanings, real meanings of what the Paul means to say, not what I think Paul is saying. Not what, what, not what Paul is saying to me. You know, it's not, it's not a private interpretation. Do you understand? It's important okay, so you don't get things wrong. Otherwise, someone will go and say, because my hand is to seed, let me go and cut it off. Because it's what, it's looking for what it means to him. No, it's what did the person that write that wrote that part? What was it what was implying? Do you understand? Is that good? That's right. Hey, hope you were blessed by the sermon. Feel free to visit our website www.thisgreenchurch.org for more info. God bless you.